Why niggas? Bernard pulls the trigger. And this is a brand. Niggas is a brand. Allen Houston. Niggas mean Lord. Once a neck, always a neck. What is going on, ladies and gents? You are listening to Nickish. You got your boys Mo and Nafi here on this December 30th, 2021 edition of the show. And this is our last episode of the year. And we're so excited to bring it to you guys. What is going on, man? How you feel, man? You ready for the new year? Are we? Are any of us really ready for the new year? I mean, it's, the, the clock keeps turning, the world keeps spinning. So, kind of dark for the holiday season. But nah, I'm good, bro. Just, I just fuck just with a you. Bit. Yeah, just a little bit. Just a little dark. Just a little dark. But nah, like you said, last last episode, twenty twenty one. Um, just want to shout out to our listeners for uh, rocking with us this year. You know what I mean? I know it's been a tough two years for pretty much everybody. So. Um, yeah, it's kind of surreal to say that like this is the last one we're going to record for 2021, and we're looking at 2020 Part 2 next year. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You see what I did there? It's, it's mm-hmm. 2020. You see? You, all right, all right. Clever. Just make, sure you, Clever. Just, make sure, just make sure you're picking up what I put down. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, a lot to talk about, bro, because uh, we just had uh, kind of a big news hit the internet, interwebs the, today, really, um, in regards to the Knicks. Uh, our franchise player, he hasn't been playing like one lately, but... Julius is in a COVID protocol, but, um, bro, so what's your initial, like, as soon as you've seen that headline, obviously, what was your initial kind of takeaway? I mean, I want to say it explains a lot, and, you know, for a lot of us Knicks fans, we feel like that's the that's the reason behind why he's been so lopsided this season, but honestly, it, he's been lopsided the whole season, not just the last couple of games, and... You know, I think it explains why he was horrible against the Pistons. He was, what, 2-for-11, uh, scored the fewest points he ever did since putting on Nick's jersey, um, and he just looked like he wasn't in the game, and honestly, he was probably dealing with COVID symptoms, and that shit ain't no joke, uh, especially mm-hmm. for a guy who, you know dealing with it for the, for the first time. We don't really know if these guys are boosted or not. I don't think they really you know put that information out there just yet, but I'm going to assume he wasn't uh, or isn't, and uh, I feel like he's the last guy on the team now who – to experience COVID and be placed into health and safety protocols. But what we can definitively say is that Obi Toppin is going to still play 10 minutes per game, even with Randall out at this point. Yo, My man will never play more than I'll give it 20 minutes in a game. I was about to say, I mean, Tibbs, I mean, I feel like these last couple games where we've seen Taj at the three lineups, Taj at the four lineups, it's just like uh, Tibbs just testing it out just to see what it would look like. And then, boom, Julius is out starting lineup. We got Taj and Mitch in the front court. We're going to see Taj, the corner three specialist. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but, nah, I mean, you kind of, that it was a lighthearted comment, obviously, but you just hit on, like, the real kind of uh, topic of, conversation amongst Knicks fans and not only topic of conversation but just frustration just look at the last few box scores look at the plus minus and I know plus minus isn't the end all be all but look at OB's plus minus compared to Julius's over the last couple games and look at the minute distribution you know what I mean so this is really kind of Tibbs being put in a position similar to years ago when you know Woodson kind of lucked into quote-unquote lucked into the mellow at the four lineup just because of Amari's injury you know I think we kind of you know not to you know I hope Juice heals up quick. There's actually some people on, I saw people like celebrating, you know what I mean, online. Oh. That's some 
That's some fucked up shit. Like last time, nah, he's our franchise player. Yeah, like when we when we kind of vent about Julius, it's frustration because we do hold him to a high standard. We do expect more from him, and we believe in him. But as far as like this this off the court thing, like I hope he's recovers quickly, and I hope like you know his family, especially like his wife and his young kids, are good. You know what I mean? She's diabetic, and he got two young kids there, man. If you're if you're rooting, if you're celebrating Julius getting COVID, then you're not fucking like. Yeah, I mean that's just dark. That's a dark underbelly of Knicks fanhood, bro. And I feel like every fan fan base has it, but us Knicks, we're we're New Yorkers, most of us anyway. So we're just gonna be blunt and loud and obnoxious in a lot of ways. But that just right there is it's not a good look. So if y'all one of these people that was just like, yo, you fist bump when you saw, I mean, you did like a fist bump when you saw the headline, then that's a bad look. But I kind of, on that sense, there is that human element to it where he's just been so frustrating. And especially last night, I mean, that shit was appalling, bro. It's it's past the point where I clown people that kind of like, you know, got into the, the, the body language breakdown of him. But last night, his effort was appalling. You know what I mean? Just in terms of like the lack of hustle and just, you know, even I started kind of like just being fed up with like, all right, bro. Like you're being, you're like a cartoon out there with your animated kind of like, you know, Eeyore the donkey from Winnie the Pooh ass reactions to like a turnover, bro. Like you're supposed to be the leader. You know what I mean? You're supposed to have kind of like... You know what I mean? If you're not going to lead vociferously or with kind of like your your chest out and being like that that leader that barks like LeBron, you got to lead by example. And part of that is playing with hustle and effort. And you know what I mean? I feel the frustration about how he's played, but I don't get like celebrating him being out. But yeah, to get back, you know, in a roundabout way to get back to Obi, stepping into the starting lineup, bro. Um, I guess what's your immediate expectation or outlook? Because I know COVID protocol, the CDC, they cut it from like 10 to 5 days. So I don't know how long we'll be without Julius. I'm going to assume it's going to be like a week, 10 days, just like it's been for Obi and RJ. But what's your immediate outlook as far as how the team does with, you know, hopefully Obi in the starting lineup? I mean, I can't – I'd be remiss to say that he's not going to perform well. Um, he's going to have to play differently because that starting lineup is different from the bench. He's not going to really have IQ with him. He's not going to really have – Taj Gibson, the the focal point of the offense would probably end up being RJ, um, and you, you know, think so? um, not I, Kemba. I, I'd say I'd say RJ and Kemba. I mean, Kemba didn't really have a great game last game, but at this point, you know, we're kind of you know hoping for that resurgence to continue, even if he had a bad couple of games since since uh, the Christmas game. Um, I think Kemba and and RJ are gonna end up being the focal points and taking the most shots, and Obi's mm. gonna be Obi, and I think he's gonna be, you know not playing the heavy minutes that we normally see from Randall. We might not see Obi playing 20 minutes, but you know, I don't I can't imagine him playing over 30 minutes um in in a game yeah. even if he's starting. You know what I mean? So, I mean, Quentin Grimes started last game. He only played 12 minutes. I, I know it's different because he didn't play the fourth quarter, but for whatever reason, Obi is not getting the minutes that he should be getting and I I don't really know what's going on with Nerlens Noel. Any any idea is he out for COVID? Is he injured? Yeah, no, I think that's what it was. They uh, they put him in uh, pro- protocols, and then I think he had that like uh, like a ambiguous social media post. Do you remember? It was like he posted some shit on his Instagram story where it was just like backwards, and I don't know, it was just him like bitching about like you know what I mean. Um, it was like a coded message, basically, like of him whining. I don't remember it verbatim, and he's Norlands Noel, so I literally will not spend the time to go look up his Instagram profile. Yeah. I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. No, all good. He plays for um, the Knicks, but I'm not putting that effort in. I'm sorry, folks. So, nah, <laughs> But, no, nah, yeah, he's to answer your question, yeah. Obi might finally get the start, but, you know, I think he's going to play his usual kind of game. Um, but it's going to be a little different because he's not going to be 
for for whatever reason, the bench and the starters are different. There's two different vibes, two different playing styles, and he has that quick element with with the with the bench guys and how the starters play might not match up to it because it's gonna be two lob threats with Mitch and Obi. Yeah. I'm I'm juggling let, let back me, and let, forth. Go ahead. Let me chime in here just because you made a really good point about the energy. There's like a different vibe with the starting lineup. So the elephant in the room with that is just a lot of folks thought it was Kemba at first and Evan, but like now it's folks thinking it's Julius is kind of effort reverberating through that starting five and kind of having that trickle down effect where, you know, he plays like molasses, the whole team kind of gets brought down, but then that second mm-hmm. unit comes and brings the energy. Do you think that we're going to see, like if we put Obi in into that starting lineup, you think the energy is, is going to be like a kind of collective awakening in terms of just like, oh, we're going to play fierce, like how we did last year, you know, grinding it out defensively we're going to see that consistent effort and energy or do you think we're going to see more of the same because if we see more of the same then we'll know for sure that isn't julius that's the issue in the starting lineup but i think that's the you know not i would throw back to you what do you what do you think in terms of that i mean the knicks haven't really been a good defensive team to begin with so i think defensively they'll probably be the same but i think where we'll really see the difference is offense we're ob naturally is just a rim runner and he's just going to be sprinting and going lane to lane every moment that he can and naturally because he's running everyone else will be running to keep up with him um i mean kemba's fast rj is gonna be looking for obi whenever he can they'll just be looking for lobs whenever they can and the issue is is randall doesn't do that he's not he's not quick with the ball he's not he's not he's not not that fast and he's he's more of a half court player obi's a full court player and you know the rest of those guys are just I, i think there will be a difference in energy um, is it going to be that much of a difference in terms of wins and losses? I I don't think so. I think Julius is still as frustrating of a player as he is. He's still an important player on the team, and he's a big reason for any wins that we get, generally speaking. Yeah. Um, I think there will be improvement in offense, but at, he's still a second-year player, and he's still he's not yeah. an all-star player in OB. You know what I mean? Like, I he's great. In with, yeah. Go ahead. No, just, just in terms of your point, though, just in terms of like – Julie still being an all-star player. I feel like part of the issue that we were hoping would have been an issue this season about, like, not I'm not going back to the fluke narrative, but just, like, last year we saw, you know, as Tibbs said, he was our engine. You know what I mean? Like, Julius was drove. As our as he went in terms of offense, our team would go. And that was by necessity. You know, we had a lineup where, you know, Bullock is a spot-up guy. He's not really a creative. And, you know, we we talked about Elf at nauseum. You know what I mean? But now I feel like the one of the issues of this season we've seen is, like, Julius being able to mesh with, like, other guys that, you know what I mean, like, need the ball as far as, like, touches and rhythm and, like, being able to, like, you know, create. And remember how I said, like, it almost felt like we had too many cooks in the kitchen with Kemba, Fournier, and Julius now? Mm-hmm. You know, Fournier was a late scratch last night. Now, Julius, we've seen this news that came down the pipeline. Do you think this will be kind of, like, a good test case to see whether, once and for all, you know, it theoretically we'll talk about the plus and minus of like the Julius centered offense, but now it's really just like a test case, right? To see how we could we look with like if we switch more over to you know like a primary pick and roll kind of team, because like as soon as Kemo came back into the rotation, you know, it it lined up with Mitch's resurgence, and yeah, Mitch is looking a lot more spry defensively. He said it himself; he's losing weight, but also he's getting those lobs that he you know we wanted or thought we'd see a lot more often. You know, that vertical yeah. spacing is there because Kemo is that pick and roll threat, so. Do you think as far as, like, we're going to see that shift where, you know, you brought up RJ and Kemba kind of splitting the load, but I'm almost of the opinion that we'll see Kemba, the Kemba-Mitch pick-and-roll be the featured starting lineup kind of uh, offensive go-to. If they kind of stick with that same lineup we saw last night where Grimes and RJ on the wing, 
And um, let's say Obi and play some Julius, you got Mitch and Kemba at the one and five. So I think as far as just like offensive energy and like, you know, what our offense will look like, do you think that's that's going to be what we'll see? Or are you more so of like, you know, to your opinion, is this going to be a Kemba, RJ show? Like, will we see RJ on ball more now, you think? I think we're still going to see Kemba more on ball, but I'm looking at their upcoming schedule. I think the next three games, you know, to answer your it's question, easy. Yeah, it's like a pivotal point in the season. Yeah, yeah it's it. They they play OKC and that fall they they play the Raptors after and the Pacers after. So I think to answer your question, I think against OKC, I think Kemba and Mitch are going to be the pivotal offense. You know that that pick and roll and try to get the open shooters. And Raptors might be a little different. Um, but I think it'll still be centered towards that. But once they go against the Pacers, when you got Miles Turner and um, Sabonis still on that team, they, it might change up a little bit. And they might have to go yeah. more towards RJ and and three point shooting. Um, but inside game, I, I think I'm with you on that. Um, Let Mitch, me Mitch follow Kemba. up to that though. Follow up to that though. Not to interject again, but it's just like looking at the schedule you just laid out, and just in terms of like, let's say Julius is out for ten days. Secretly, this is kind of like conspiracy theory mind thinking here, but like secretly, do you think Leon, World Wide West, and the Brain Trust is terrified that Julius, like the team is going to look better without Julius, like a lot 100%. better and smoother? You think they're 100%. terrified? They're like shook? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. I think that's really what it is, because this is going to be like a lot of folks, you know, the Kemba scenario or fiasco, quote unquote, got a lot of unwanted attention. That was kind of low key, like the first time the Leon Rose regime had to face the typical Knicks kind of, like, media coverage, you know what I mean? Because we had Jamal Crawford, ex-players out there just talking shit and throwing subs at Tibbs mm-hmm. in, the, in the front office for how Kemba was being done, quote-unquote, even though this is just revisionist history, hindsight, 2020 vision. Everybody at the time was like, yeah, we, we all agree. Get Kemba out the lineup. We all just didn't think it was, it was a possibility because of politics, you know what I mean? So to round that back, I legit think this is good. I agree with you, bro. I think low-key they're worried. And part of me is thinking... I don't know, bro. If we start looking really nice, I think Julius could be on the trade block. And that's just me as a fan, obviously. But it just seems like I think he's not eligible to get traded till February. But you, I think in the coming week, in the coming games, for, while Julius is out, two things are going to happen. I think we're going to look better, more fluid, more cohesive. And I think Mitch is going to make himself a lot of money because he's going to be getting the pick and roll all day. You know what I mean? It's- so... I don't know, bro. Like, do you think it's going to shape up to a narrative where Julius is out by February? What do you think? Like, out of the team by February? I don't know, but the whole the whole idea is juicy as fuck right now because the 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 whole the schedule is going to be much easier. So they have mm. they're increasing their chances of winning, and who you know when will the real Randall stand up? You know what I mean? Like, I don't even know who Julius Randall is anymore. I don't know what kind of player to expect. On Christmas, he played excellent. He played like yeah, the way fast. he played all of last season. And, you know, you think back to earlier 2021, I was looking at some of our highlights, and the Knicks had an eight-game winning streak. You know, it's mm. hard to believe now that this lineup with 90% of the same guys had an eight-game winning streak in April late last season. And it's it's crazy to think that this same squad can't perform the same way uh, this season, especially with so many young first- and second-year players leveling up. So whatever's going on with Randall, once he comes back from his COVID protocol, it's hard to expect him to get any better. You know what I mean? Because yeah. once you come back from COVID, like your your energy is depleted, uh, you lose weight, you're 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 not in the gym for ten ten or so days, about two weeks. 
Um, yeah. What kind of Randall are we going to get back? It's hard to think that we're going to have a resurgent Julius coming back. Um, but it's, I don't know. How, how do you predict? I'm going to throw it back to you. How, how do you predict the next two weeks are going to look for the Knicks? I think exactly as we kind of just touched on, I think just overall the team will collectively look better. We'll look more like similar to last year. And I feel like that's no knock on Julius. I feel like he's last year was he even said it kind of like transparently, like his first year in New York, he wasn't built for kind of being a number one option and the attention and being that guy. And the second season in New York was about him developing into that. Now it's a kind of a third stage of his evolution was him trying to meld his game with increased offensive talent and a former all-star. You know what I mean? So I think what was happening when we saw Kemba's resurgence since he's come back is Julius, especially in the Hawks game, I thought that was his best game of the season. He filled in nicely because it was obvious he was kind of like, it was like a 1A, 1B situation with him and Kemba when previously, when, when before Kemba was taking out the rotation, we was trying to make Kemba play like, you know what I mean, like a spot-up shooter, like he was Matthew Delladova without the defense, you know what I mean? Or, mm -hmm. you know, we saw, and that was to Kemba's kind of, you know, um, to put it on him as well, he's got be accountable he wasn't aggressive you know like what we're seeing now he wasn't doing it before he was he wasn't like he was more so picking his spots early in the season now we're seeing him be more aggressive in terms of pull up and getting into the paint you know what i mean so i think part of that evolution with julius how i'll see the next two weeks play out is i think the team will look better julius will come in and hopefully the optimist in me this is what i'm thinking hopefully he'll kind of realize that he doesn't have to be that that mellow quote unquote for us where it's everything centered around him where okay you know what i mean like when all else fails he's gonna iso in the mid-range or our crunch time lineup is gonna be him i feel like obviously this is not me comparing in terms of one-to-one -one, like what i'm about to say but i feel like what what we should see from julius and kemba is like kind of like a walmart version of what we see from draymond and steph that kind of synergy would be ideal you know what i mean where we're seeing randall more so as a role man and on the short roll kind of emphasizing his passing skills where you know when he does get it on the pick and roll from Kemba because we're seeing teams trap Kemba more aggressively now you know what I mean for us to beat that I feel like we need Julius to kind of incorporate a bit of that Draymond style playmaking on the short roll and as a, as a role man and you know more so not just being a creator or a wing creator but like more so a big man passer you know and I feel like when he comes back it'll become clear that's what's going to be uh, the key to our success and his fit with the key to the team success and the key to like the fit with Kemba working out. So that's my kind of optimist view that the two weeks, that's how it'll play out. And, you know, we have a fairy tale ending where we're not talking about Julius trades in February. You know what I mean? Um, hopefully he'll come back humbled and ready, you know, and that's my, that's my outlook at least. Yeah. And in the Christmas game, post game, he had admitted to, you know, feeling enjoyment from basketball after a long time so it was him admitting that he was going through it I guess mentally for the game of basketball and you think you'd hope that the following games he would be able to continue that momentum and it kind of flopped and assuming that the Knicks are successful over the next two weeks and he comes back there's going to be a ton of narrative that he's going to read from home about the Knicks performing better without him and whether or not they should put him on the trade block and that's going to get to him mentally and I think history shows that he's able to bounce back but that was that was one whole year and this season mm. he hasn't been able to show that so yeah. there is a lot of risk involved but he's not getting paid at a level that's you know that it becomes offensive for him to get paid that amount for performing offensive. that little you know you know you know what i mean like he's not getting paid no, no, 200 million he is the yeah. he is the highest paid player on the team and he should be held more accountable by tibbs and maybe 
he'll feel that kind of uh, pressure the way Kemba felt when he was benched for ten games. Yeah, and we and Tibbs did start it to to Tibbs's credit. He benched the whole starting lineup in the fourth quarter, and the bench got the Knicks back up against the Pistons. And you know, when you have the best player, quote unquote, best player on the team riding the bench on a close game um, against one of the team's worst teams, um, I you hope the message gets through and across. And if yeah. if Randall comes back, and I want to say the first, I'll give him a, I'll give him a couple of games to get his feet to get his feet wet after COVID. I want to say within the first five games, if he's not looking like himself. And when I say himself, I mean last season's Randall. Then we might need to start considering that, you know, trade route. Yeah, as hard I mean, as it's, as hard as it is to say that. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Tibbs and accountability. That's a good point. And to your point about just like Randall coming back, I almost feel like we underrated the Reggie Bullock aspect last season. It's almost like we were ready to kind of dump him from Burks, and Burks has been great. Like shout out to Big Money AB, he saved us last mm-hmm. night, but. Part of, I feel like, the Bullock effect or positive effect he had on the team was he, you know, as soon as he got into with a coach like Tibbs that, you know, had a defensive system to implement, Bullock sold out to be a a successful cog in that defensive system. And I feel like his effort was contagious. You know, there's that human elephant, a human element where you see, like, some, (laughs) I said human elephant. You said human elephant. Yeah. Yeah. But enough about Mark Murbin, Berman. Um, <laughs> the the human element, obviously, is when you see like your teammate busting the ass, diving on the floor, really getting in another shoot the dude's shirt, other dude's jersey. You want to like kind of match that effort. You know what I mean? I feel like Julius, his we saw the the kind of the the chemistry he had with Reggie on the offensive end. That was talked about a lot. But I also feel like defensively, that it helped Julius have literally the best defensive season of his career last year. And we're not seeing that this year. And that's that's that brings me back to the tapes and accountability comment you made. Not only is his effort just in terms of, you know, people are going to bitch and they have a right to bitch just about, like, his mid-range jumper going from mellow status to just, like, Jared Jeffrey status. But <laughs> as far as, like, the defensive effort, that was that was a big part of just his kind of awakening into that guy last season. He was putting in that effort where he some, there was some nights he looked like our best defender because he was switching from, like, one through four, even five, you know what I mean? Um, and we're not seeing that effort. And I feel like, is odd because last year he had way more offensive responsibility, which typically with a star player, if they have great offensive responsibility, they're going to, you know, naturally lessen their effort on def- defense, right? But Randall was two-way last season. And, yeah, there were moments where he was maybe kind of inconsistent or the effort wasn't lacking. But generally, overall, he was great defensively last year. So I'm hoping, to your point about Tibbs and accountability, that that I hope the starting lineup was thoroughly embarrassed last night where they didn't even play not one minute in the fourth quarter. You know what I mean? I hope that's like the telltale sign that Tibbs is fed up and he's hearing the chatter. I don't think he cares or pays attention to the outside chatter of fans and reporters and media, but I think he himself, you know, he's Tibbs. He definitely cares the fact that like his star guy that he's, you know, he's leaning on is embarrassing him out there. You know what I mean? So I, right, you're benched. You're in COVID protocols, coincidentally. I'm kind of side-eyeing that news because especially after the Pistons game, or not, not even the Pistons game, the, the T-Wolves game where everybody was just fed up with Fournier. We're like, yo, Grimes need to start or Grimes need to take Fournier's minutes. Suddenly, he's a late scratch. Fournier's a late scratch with an mm-hmm. ankle issue, and Grimes starts. So I think, you know, it maybe it seems a little fishy, but I'm not going to read more into that than it is. But how it laid, how it played out is, yeah, to your point, Tibbs is going to have to be the guy. He has to literally practice what he preaches, you know, and I think there's been a double standard rightfully pointed out by a lot of players, or not players, a lot of fans that, 
you know, he'll give the vets a lot more leeway than the young players. And I think this upcoming stretch is going to be crucial to our season being successful because if it if this lineup without Randall, Tibbs presses the right buttons and we play well, OB gets like 20, 25, almost 30 minutes a night, hopefully. I'm hoping 25, like as a happy medium, you know. I don't think 20 would be enough for about Julius, but I feel like as soon as we see this team get better, we see an increased defensive effort. We see more accountability in terms of just like, all right, you know, you're you're a vet playing like shit. You're not going to play no more. I Hopefully when Randall comes back, he sees it. He sees the team thriving. He's going to come in and be like, all right, I don't want to upset the apple cart. I don't want to like mess up what's working right now, and I'm going to fit in uh, where I can get in, and but still be that all-star level player. And it's a lot to ask for because – you know, there is that, you know, the whole element about suddenly you're the guy in New York, you know, and this is what comes with it, you know. You're going to have people, like, shitting on you and fans in the on, in the Twitter comments when your team is trying to get you an all-star nod. There are going to be people in there saying no. <laughs> Those are the comments that killed me. Literally just people just like, nope, period. <laughs> like, they're just so offended at the thought they can't come up with a, with a clever or just like, you know, a snide comment. They're just like, nah, mm-mm, not this year. <laughs> That's just pure disappointment, bro, so... That's my that's my whole yeah. hope, but um, I'm gonna pivot and, real quick right now. I don't know if you had any more remaining thoughts in terms of that. But yeah, I could throw it one, back to you right now last, real quick if you want. One last quick thought. I think uh, I think we at at some point we got to consider the m- number of minutes that he's playing, and I think the minutes that he played last mm. season have caught up to him officially at this point. He's averaging about a little over 35 minutes a game now. Um, he was averaging about 37 last season, 32 the season before. Um. Maybe his minutes just need to be decreased. Maybe Tibbs needs to drop the minutes, increase Obies, and you know let Randall play harder for the if he wants more minutes. But maybe you know we know he's built like Thanos, but he's 27 now, and he wasn't used to running like that before, and it look he just looks tired, and we're not seeing it on the defensive side. So maybe yeah. I, I don't know. I, I'm not Tibbs. I'm not an experienced NBA head coach, but it could just be you know giving the guy few less minutes and using the minutes that he does play you know for him to play with more energy on both sides of the court exactly it's going to be not about just like julius coming back and like playing like more ideally but also like tibbs realizing that like i don't need to play this man lebron james level minutes and make him my lebron it's not by necessity no more it was one thing when we had alfred payton as a starting point guard last year now it's like we don't need that no more you know what i mean um, mm-hmm. To quote CP of Knicks fan TV, we don't need that. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think what kind of what I wanted to pivot to real quick was just we didn't have a chance to touch on this. Um, just given what's happened a lot, I feel like we hit on a lot of main key points recently. But D Rose been out for two months, man. We didn't get to give our reaction, and I know it's been a few days removed or a week removed from it, and we've played a few games since then. But now we're you know. We're seeing what the rotation is kind of going to look out, look like without D Rose, Kemba starter starting IQ and uh, McBride in the mix. Who I love how he's looked, bro. The kids, uh, like shout out Wall Parent, the god, the oh, goat, hundred yeah. percent. Wall Parent, man, this man. Oof. We got Grimes, Jericho Sims, and McBride mm-hmm. in the same year, and we got Rokus. You know what I mean? I'm not going to pronounce his last name. Shout out Rokus, our international prospect. He's out there killing, bro. Mm-hmm. So this man, Wall Parent. So. With that being said, I feel like, what are your thoughts just in terms of, it's kind of the same, like, thematic question in terms of, like, how, how what's our outlook without Julius? 
what's our outlook going to be in the long range? Because Dero is going to be out for longer for the next two months. Do you think we're going to end up missing him? Because I almost feel like he was kind of losing steam a bit before the injury popped up, but also just he was our, by far our best player, and he was having the most positive impact anytime he stepped on the court. Yeah. So, do you think we'll be able to weather that loss? Um, we've obviously we're on a three three game win streak now in a kind of easy portion of our schedule. But do you think in the long run, even when Julius is back, the missing D Rose is going to kind of you know tank our season, like bring us down to like damn near play in or uh, late lotto range? If we're in the play in, that's we're lucky, man. We'd be lucky to get in the play in <laughs> at this at mm-hmm. this point. But no, the thing about D Rose was. He was our most consistent player, and a lot of a lot of the guys on this team who we expected to be one way were the other way for half the games this season. Whether it's RJ, whether it's with Mitch, whether it's mm. Randall, whether it's even IQ to a point. Um, you know, we see we've seen both sides of the coin with all those guys, uh, and Rose was really the only exception. But um, if he were to be injured, I I like what I've seen the last five games enough, at least from the guard standpoint, to know that we should be good until he comes back, which should be around March or, you know, God willing, playoff time. Um, Kemba is killing it, and he's stepped in as that guy to be the veteran point guard who's going to get get us buckets, get us points. Um, there is a better minute distribution now amongst the guards, whether it's IQ or Kemba, and now we're seeing Deuce getting his minutes and playing well. He was plus, what, 39 last game against the Pistons? Bro. Good God. <laughs> that whole um, second unit lineup, that plus minus is legendary shit. Because when you comparing yeah. it, it's, I mean, it's a meme at this point. But good lord, mm-hmm. I feel like the na- it was weird seeing on Twitter. It's not, it's not just Knicks fans or Knicks writers or Knicks media pointing it out. Last night, I feel like it was the first time all season where like the national media literally saw like the discrepancy in our first unit, second unit. Yeah. So I hope they understand why we're disappointed with the season. They realize that like, yo, we have players. It's just like finding the right, like mixture find the right lineup and you know we're making it seem easy we're we're monday morning quarterbacking we are non-experts here we're the fans but i know tibbs is kind of going through all the permutations and he has to also balance like the political and you know human element of everything you know what i mean so um yeah i mean i kind of echo your same sentiments you know i feel like we've settled down in a good point guard rotation um and we're We'll do the best we can without D-Rose, but, you know, silver lining to all this is he'll be back and hopefully ready ready to go for the playoffs where we won't have to worry about him running out of steam in a five-game series. Hopefully he'll have, like, enough to, like, really have some clutch moments for us in the playoffs because I know he will. It's not about the capability. It's about making sure that, like, our 33-year-old formerly MVP-level talent point guard is healthy enough and, you know, we're not overusing him before the playoffs. And I feel like this is kind of the silver lining is we yeah. won't be grinding him to dust with minutes for two months. And we were always worried that the bench wouldn't be able to keep up without him leading the way, especially last season. But it's it's yeah. awesome seeing the guys being able to hold their own um, without Rose being in the picture, you know, kind of guiding them the whole way. IQ is becoming yeah. his own man. Obi, Deuce is learning the way IQ was learning last season. And, like, if you look at it, like, that plus minus, you know, breakout is insane. The lowest from the bench was 27, and that was by IQ. 27 Great. was the lowest plus minus. And mind you, that was IQ's first game back out of pro- yeah. protocols, and he was looking like he was really getting into his point guard bag before his absence. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So same with Deuce. I fucking hated how like that COVID news came out. It was literally like all our young players would show up, boom, <laughs> COVID. Like what the fuck? Um, yeah. So happens when you share groupies. Stop doing that, young kids. Um, 
<laughs> but on the bright side, it means we're probably we're not going to hear about it anymore for the rest of the season, for the rest of the year. Hopefully, no one. I else. swear to God, if one of these young kids ends up in the protocols again, they need to get spanked by Kenny Payne, like or like Taj just needs to give him a noogie like live <laughs> on Instagram, embarrass him enough, they'll stop doing that shit. I don't know. I'm just getting. I was just so pissed off, bro. It was just like enough with this shit. Like our season was going left, and it just at that moment, remember, remember we were joking, just like. Rock bottom was looming. I was like, "Oh shit, it's here!" <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, it's, it, it pulled <laughs> yeah. up to our door, blew up our house like Thanos did the Avengers. You know what I mean? <laughs> but hopefully, it seems like we're, I mean, it seems like we're getting out of that dark period. And I feel like knock on wood. Yeah, not compl- Yeah, no doubt. But all right, so one last elephant in the room we need to address. I feel like we've been using that term a lot lately. I blame Mark Mark Berman again. Oh yeah, this um, one's yours. You got it. You can take it from here. Oh no, I was just gonna talk about RJ. Oh, like, work? Oh, I think we're talking about someone else. Never mind. No, nah, it's just because he is our number three overall pick. And, you know, if we're going to say that, like, uh, the fate of our team it really – just the trajectory of the franchise really changed in 2019 when we, one, drafted RJ and, two, signed Julius because they became – you know, they're the reason – there's a reason those two guys were the two guys on that slam, you know, magazine cover. And RJ, I'll give him – I'll give him some leeway. I'll always give him leeway just because I'm not one of these reactionary fans on Twitter that just hate his guts. Like, it's getting to that point where it's just getting disgusting to be on Twitter now. But he's just coming back from COVID. Um, I feel like before he went into protocols, he was bouncing back, you know. And people just feel like they, they want to wash their hands of RJ, like in terms of just like, all right, he's not going to be anything. He's just too inconsistent. He's 21 years old. And I'm not making excuses, but I also feel like what we've seen so far when he thrives is when he's like there's a kind of a you know a collective up tempo approach offensively, but also like he's not like Kawhi on defense, but as a cog in a defensive system where everybody's playing with effort and like covering each other's backs, like we saw with that second unit that closed out the game last night. And I know RJ wasn't in that lineup, but we're gonna see him more with those same cast of characters without Julius in the lineup. We're gonna see him you know get more touches on offense, and I feel like yeah, I mean. What do you? What's your takeaway in terms of just RJ? Do you think this will be a benefit to him? Just do you think he'll get more on-ball reps? Do you think he's kind of better in being that quote-unquote star in his role as a as a you know spot-up guy? Um, but yeah, just like what's a what are you feeling, bro? No doubt, it's, it's disappointing, especially when he was playing the Wolves. Um, but he did come away with some clutch baskets in the fourth quarter. Yeah, so credit yeah. to him on that. Um. And, but last night he was like Randall, a minus like twenty seven. Uh, you seen that video that that's going viral of a like of a heckler? A yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's like he's like RJ, you you minus twenty nine, bro. And then RJ turned around. And he's like, you have you been watching me play? All right, so shut the fuck up then. So I don't know. He's throwing <laughs> subs at the rest of his at the rest of the starting lineup as a reason for him not performing well. And granted, he only took like four three pointers. I don't know how many other shots he took. But he, he and Julius were not taking the normal kind of shots that they were taking last night against the Pistons for whatever reason. Um, I RJ is still a guy that I'm not worried about. He's younger than a lot of these first and second year players that we have right now on the team um, who are yeah. performing well. And we've but seen. Wait, bro, if we if we bring up his age, apparently we're apologists. We're not trying to hold <laughs> RJ accountable. Nah, like shut the fuck up. Like I feel like. Not not to interject or like yeah. take away your point, but I like, just want to throw okay. that out there. Like you've got to still be realistic about it. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah, just... like we've seen how he's performing as a twenty year old, and we'd be ecstatic if he was if he kept that level of performance this season. Um, I'm not worried, but I am not happy 
with how he's been mm. performing. He, he has to be held accountable. I mean, you know, IQ and half the team is coming back from, you know, health and safety protocols. And granted, we don't know how each player experienced COVID. Maybe his symptoms were worse than those guys, and he still needs more time to recover, which is fine. Um, but even before he went into that, you know, if you remember before the Spurs game, Tips low-key kind of sort of called him out, and then he dropped yeah. seven three-pointers. But, you know, he needed to be called out in order to put in that put in that kind of performance. So um, it kind of sucked to see that he needed to be called out, but we've seen him be capable of turning it around. So I'm overall, I'm not too worried, but he yeah. needs to step it up the next couple of games with Randall out. He needs to show that he's that guy because coming into the season, we, we thought it was going to be one, two, three. It's going to be Randall, RJ, and then Kemba. And yeah. so far, number one guy has not stepped up. Now's your chance to step up and show that, you know, you are you are capable of being that guy. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. Like, it's a cliche at this point, but we're, I'm not never worried about his approach or his mentality. And, like, Tibbs calling him out, I feel like Tibbs knows the right button to push with certain players. He knows that RJ prides himself on the work ethic, so when you come at him about the work ethic, he's going to take it personally. And I say cliche because this is, like, a certain segment of nerds out there that are just be like, oh, you're such a hard worker, blah, 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 that doesn't mean shit. I was like, yo, there's still that human element to it, you know what I mean? Like, go fucking grind tape about a random Scandinavian prospect and leave, like, real basketball talk to, like, actual people, you know what I mean? Because, like, these motherfuckers are like, there are people out there, Knicks fan base motherfuckers that just do not buy into RJ and just clown the fact that, like, people big up his, his, uh, his work ethic or, like, his drive, yada, yada, and, like, I get it. Like, oh, everybody wants to be snarky on Twitter. Everybody wants to be snarky on social media and, like, make a meme about, like, yo, The Rock made a song about working hard. Ha, ha, ha. Thing with RJ is, like, that shit is real. Like, that's, what do you want us to say? Like, that's part of, like, being a super athlete. You got to come with the work ethic. Greatness comes for that. You know what I mean? Not to sound, like, completely cliche or Bob Knight over here. You know what I mean? He's famous Indiana coach, University of Indiana coach. He's a piece of shit, though. Fuck him. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, he's, he's a Trump supporter. He's he's just a piece of shit all around. But, yeah, I mean, just with RJ, it's not, we're not saying this to make excuses, his age. We're not saying this to make excuses because we prefer him or like him. We do like him, but it's also, we're looking at it realistically because I wasn't, I'm an RJ supporter, but I'm also not one of these people that was just thinking, like, oh, he's going to be legendary or, like, this third year is gonna be, he's going to be an all-star. I was a little bit more guarding my approach with my optimism just because, I see him as, like, that Jimmy Butler type at best, you know? And, like, that's, like, what? I always go back to our old episodes. I said, like, I could see him as, like, that four- to five-time all-star level kind of player. So, yeah, it's all about just the, his approach. And I also feel like the people who kind of, they jumped the gun a little bit just in terms of, like, putting that all-star notion out there or trying to expect him to, like, really step up in the third year. I don't think he's that kind of, like, prospect. You know, he's not, like, D-Rose certified number one. There was that Zion Morant tier in his draft class, and RJ was like, you know, best available of the bunch below. Because look at the bunch below. DeAndre Hunter, y'all want to comp- – because these are the people that RJ should be compared to. DeAndre Hunter, what is he doing now? Jared Culver, he's on his second team already before his rookie contract was up. You know what I mean? So I just feel like keep it steady with RJ, the expectations, and just – you know, I think he'll deliver. And, yeah, I mean, I just, if we want to close it there, I just feel like it just had to get to get that out. Um I also feel like, yeah, it's like a point I just remembered is people will just jump the gun, and I feel like there's still certain areas that he will work on that, like, Drew Hanlon himself, his trainer, has pointed out, like, next year will be his handle and, like, fluidity. And that's, I think, when I watch him play now, at least offensively, that's the thing that's keeping him from really, 
getting to the expectations that some folks had from in terms of all-star level or near all-star level caliber this season. I feel like a dude that's not explosive like him, you know what I mean, but he has like the body and strength. Yeah, he'll learn the craft, but like as soon as his panel gets a little more tighter, gets more fluid, and he gets a little bit more in his bag, I feel like that'll change things. And he has more, you know, change of speed, a change of like pace to his game. That's that's something RJ is aware of because he publicly, him and Drew Allen have talked about is next on the docket, finishing and you know, fluidity. Um, you know, you can look up the tweets, but yeah. yeah. Just wanted to big up my Canadian son and defend him because <laughs> I can't fight all these people on Twitter, but I can just uh, present my point on my little soapbox here. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm with you. Um, you know, before we close out this episode of the show, I want to do a quick shout out to Kemba Walker, who got player of the week. And, hey. you know, if you listen to the last episode, you asked me, you know, what do I think of Kemba Walker? And I thought he was flushed like he's done. And yeah, yeah. you know, and I will admit to it, I'm 100 percent wrong one, on that. You weren't the only yeah. one. Yeah, I mean, he he averaged 25 and nine rebounds, eight 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 assists, dropped 44 points, had a triple double. Fucking awesome to see Kemba play the way he he played this past week. And you know, I hope he's able to keep it up. We need him more than ever, especially with D Rose out. And now we're seeing Julius is gonna be out for at least 10 days. So shout out to Kemba. Shout out to Mitch who stepped it up big time. Um, over the yes, past sir. couple of games, he looks he looks better than he did earlier this season. He looks more like himself. He's definitely dropped a couple of pounds at at the middle, and now he's he's blocking shots left and right, crashing boards, and just being you know more of a defensive anchor that we needed him to be. So shout out to those two guys real quick. Any final thoughts? Because they heard us, bro. They heard us talking shit. Like yeah. you talk shit about Kemba, <laughs> I respectively talk shit about uh, Mitch. Uh, they heard it. They're like, now nah, we can't disappoint Nickish. Boom. <laughs> you know what I mean. I'll take credit. I'll take partial credit. I mean, I took partial credit for Andrew Garfield, like, coming through with the MVP performance of Spidey. So I'm shameless with it, bro. I'll take that credit. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And Um, and final shout-out to everyone listening to this show. Uh, Again, we've been doing this for three years. We're heading into 2022. Super excited. Um, Yes, sir. And we're really excited for what we're going to bring to you guys in 2022. There's a lot of new things that we have never done before uh, with Nickish that we're excited to bring forth, um, especially in January. So... Um, you guys, if, you, if you've been looking at our Instagram, you might have an idea of what we're talking about, but exciting times are ahead. You hyping it like we did the secret entrance in the next Royal Rumble in January, bro. <laughs> 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 Three, two, one, entry 30, some, 30 and 31 somehow. The Nickish intro plays, we just go run down there. <laughs> we get thrown back out by Kane or some shit. I don't know. But yes, yeah, stay tuned to our wrestling fans out there. Royal Rumble, we popping up. Invade like the Outsiders. <laughs> Shout out Kevin Nash, the GOAT. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you right. disagree, bro? All right. I, Daddy cool. I didn't know he was a GOAT. All right. I didn't know he's Big Diesel was a GOAT. He's, he's your GOAT? He's one of the GOATs. I feel like he's, he'll tell you himself, it was him and Scott Hall that made sure that we're just going on a complete tangent. So if you're not a fan of wrestling, just just, just close the podcast. <laughs> but he was he always talked about how like him and Scott Hall made sure that like moving forward, all wrestlers got guaranteed contracts. It was like him. So I feel like he gets credit for that as somebody that's about workers' rights and the fact that like these wrestlers need a union. Shout Do out they? To Kevin Nash for that. I thought they're all independent contractors and that's how they, they are. get fucked. Exactly. Yeah, that's why they get fucked. That's why I'm saying they need to unionize. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. This is completely off the rails. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, so Kevin Nash uh, said this. He believes he's the originator for the guy who. No, nah, he one thousand percent. He he was the one in WCW. Him and Scott Hall, like demanded guaranteed contracts, and then mm-hmm. moving forward, every big star, superstar in a wrestling company would get their guaranteed money. 
it's different. You're still an independent contractor, but your contract is guaranteed. So even if you get released, that money's still yours. You know what I mean? All right, that's good. Now they just got to get the healthcare part of it and and all that other. Yeah, stuff. all that. I mean, we would go a whole yeah. different segment in that. But um, mm-hmm. yo, you forgot to plug, bro. I think we got a we got a nice bonus episode coming up where you know mm-hmm. it is the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, we're gonna talk about our favorite Knicks moments each from the year twenty twenty one. You know, yeah. Um, hit on anything and everything. Doesn't really have to be just this season. It'll encapsulate the calendar year. So, looking forward to that. And uh. Yeah, I mean, we can close it out here, bro. Happy, if you're still listening at this point, you just wanted to hear me opine about Kevin Nash and his role <laughs> in the, the wrestling, you know, worker movement. Thank you. <laughs> thank yeah. you for listening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you for listening. We hope you guys have a happy and safe uh, new year ahead. Uh, happy new year to you all. And uh, make sure you follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Nick is Show. Um, and subscribe to our YouTube channel at Nick is Show. Again, we got big things ahead. Uh, plan for us in 2022 and you know we hope you guys are part of the ride until next time take care peace peace